Today's message is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 to chapter 4, verse 9. One announcement is that um, to me, it seems like she cooks only once a week, but she, her, her husband seems like she's satisfied with that too. But anyways, yesterday, as Paul was talking about emptying himself, first in verse 17, Paul is now describing more in details how, how should you empty yourself. And from, from verse 1 to 9 in chapter 4, Paul is keep um, speaking in imperative tone how how should the community be how should the community be and he's saying this is not matter of your choice but this is a must do so that's how the flow would go and from verse 10 will appear the conclusion for 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 philippians And so, tonight, I will impart a great authority of material. So see how much authority of material is required for us in this end time. Look at the world. Everyone's entering into the poverty. And as I said, more than 50% of the population of the world became poor through the pandemics. See how strong this strategy of the enemy is. They made this 1% of the riches to be multiplied. Look at the world and look at the religion. Only the Catholics became rich and the rest of the world became poor, except for the remnants, the true remnant churches. So God is especially unraveling all his um, rewards to his, his children and his churches. And those churches who are good at spiritual wars, they will retrieve and take away and plunder all the materials of the enemy. What is fearful is that it is being done according to how I bless our businessmen. When I say, when I order the, the businessman to, to plant, a, plant a construction um, business, then they, they, they make it. <clears throat> I order them to, I order them to, to buy an M&A, a, a, a construction business. But this cannot, this can never be done um, by our, our materials and by our finance. And this is time for God to uh, unravel all His material for us to use. And He's enlarging and expanding our scales. And even now, and already, We need two to three billion one for one single conference. I mean, this is beyond our, it, it used to be beyond our imagination many years ago, right? And of course, many mega churches, for them, it is nothing. But, but actually, for mega churches, two to three billion one is not small. It's like spending, uh, selling, selling a building for one conference. But there are so many areas that we should spend in the headquarters. So, um, 
So it's beyond our limitation when we think of our numbers. It's all God's blessing. And tonight, it's time for God to pour His, His materialistic blessings. And as I hear, as I hear many testimonies from different women's churches, I, I hear many churches are experiencing these materialistical blessings. Okay. Use those tidings for your missions and and this is the reason why I'm telling you guys this is because this is the season. And just as Paul is saying in verse 19 of chapter 4, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And to our thoughts, two to three billion one is a big amount of money, but in God's kingdom, one dollar and one billion one is the same. There is no standard of Babylon in his kingdom. Feeling one dollar, one billion one, one trillion one is the same to God. Feeling one dollar requires faith. Feeling one billion requires the faith. It's the same. What's the only importance? Whether do I have the scale or the vessel to receive that faith or not? So tonight, this materialistical blessing, let's unravel that tonight. And many years ago in Honduras, um, a prophet came from Florida and he said that the heavenly storage will be opened before you. And from that moment, um, actually, um, materials are being, being poured to us. Especially to the churches of God. God do not want them to fall behind in, in, in Hebrews. So it is normal status of the churches to restore and keep going after, to pursue after this goal. And money is also included in that process. But why can't you receive that? Because you cannot empty yourself. So no matter how much finance um, God gives to our church, we always empty them. And as we look back to, to, to the last year's, last year's uh, finance, um, we spent one-third of our, our um, uh, finance to our uh, uh, one-third of our budget into the missions. So we need to continue to empty ourselves. Then God will expand our skills. So you have to intentionally cut that chains of wickedness. I will never allow this abundance to be withered in me. Then the abundance of kingdom of God will move in you. So, the reason why I cannot entrust the finance to someone else is because this is my, my, um, because no one can match my, my scale of faith. I mean, who, who else can decide uh, a conference worth two billion won? Right? So you have to always enter into God's principle of abundance, God's order of abundance. But, but because you are trying to solve that into your own limitation that you are being unable to use that. That's why you cannot live 
in this growth. It, it applies to faith, too. It all needs to grow and grow. And our church, ever since our church has been established 26, 26 years ago, um, our finance has never decreased. Every single year. Why? What's the reason? It's because one of them is because the amount that we spent has been growing too. Not because we have money, but because our faith has been expanding. So our pastors, you, need, you also need to have this kind of thing. Give up on your thoughts that I will save some money in order to do something. No. You need to have the faith that when I, when I decide the work, decide the ministry, and decide the faith, then God will fill the rest. God will fill everything. And that's how I used to live. That's how I am living now. When I decide to use, then God, God will fill. So after you decide and, and just walk by faith, then God will fill. It's not because I have it. That's not how He works. You decide before you have, you have everything. Then God will fill you. That's that's way way of His work. So to me, to me, it's the same whether I have it or whether I don't have it. But the problem is that you consider what you have as yours. What God has is also mine, and what what I have is not mine. <laughs> so tonight, um, let us open this heavenly storage. Don't you guys believe that I have a materialistic authority? I do. In our church, in our church, um, whoever I bless, they receive this blessing too. Okay, let's, let's see the main text. Verse 17, join together in following my example. So, these following, imitating, there are similar words, but... But he's directly referring to this process of emptying himself. Especially through this process of emptying himself, you need to be mature. I mean, don't you think that Paul should have said that imitate and follow Jesus? But Paul said, follow, follow, follow me. And by saying, follow me, Paul was trying to say that God even changed a person like me who used to be immersed deeply in the uh, legalism. So he, can, he also can change you. So you, you may think that um, it seems more um, logical to say imitate Jesus, but Paul, to Paul, it, it is more easy to say imitate him. You know, Paul persecuted uh, Christians and Paul even killed um, Stephen. But Paul was saying, look how God has changed me who used to do like and, and also here, when he says, join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, just you have us as a model. Who is he mentioning when he said us? Which is um, Paul and uh, who else I forgot the name Paul, Timothy and all his followers 
And ever since I, ever since I began the ministry, I, I expected like that. After 10 years, there will be pastors who will surpass my, my spirituality. That's how I believed and that's how I thought. But after 10 years, no one appeared like me. for whatever reason. <laughs> I somehow feel these upset feelings. <laughs> But now I'm having faith again. Soon there will be pastors who will surpass my spirituality and who will come before me and say, Pastor Kim, now um, allow me to take your position or, or please pray so that I will pass away quickly. <laughs> I believe one of my, my associate pastors will pray like that. But anyways, this is something I envy about. This is something I am jealous toward Paul. Of course, between Paul and I, there is a great difference. But the way Paul raised his disciples is different from me. When Paul, when Paul trained his disciples, all the disciples saw the same glory as Paul did. And of course, there appears only seven um, churches within the letters of Paul, but only in Laodicea area, there were three churches. Laodicea, Hierapolis, and one else. So, there were more than hundreds of churches that Paul planted. So, so it means that, that more than 100 leaders have risen up in order to plant those churches. So look how tremendous Paul raised his disciples. So Paul was able to send his disciples to, to become pastors um, for the churches. And in the, beginnings, in the beginnings of our churches, We also experienced that kind of things because our ministers um, rose up within a short period of time. So this is how churches should raise their disciples. Among the authorities our pastors have, one of them is the uh, spiritual gift of leadership. If you have gift of leadership, you will be able to raise your own disciples. But because you cannot practice your leadership well, you cannot grow your disciples. Of course, it is, it is a natural thing that you are raising your own ship. But one of the main and, and healthy relationships that you should build in your church is a relationship between a teacher and a, and a disciple. So in the church, you should have many different relationships. First, you should have the relationship between father and the son, and also a nurturer, a maid and an and a, um, infant, and also a teacher and a disciple. So for somebody, for somebody, you can be a father to that person, but you cannot be a teacher, then you cannot teach that person. So you can love that person, but you cannot teach that. 
That's a great limitation. So between the leaders and the church members, you should be able to build this different relationship between one another so that they can be raised in the right way. And pastors have that kind of that kind of job in the church. And of course, uh, different pastors have different strengths of their own as as apostle, as prophet, as teacher, and as as um, gospel deliverer. But they also should have all these different um, uh, gift of leadership to raise people like that. So you need to believe that when you first plant the church, God gave you all these gifts from the beginning. And you need to be able to build and uh, uh, raise disciples. Not to just think that uh, make someone like me, but to, to dream to raise the disciples who will surpass me immediately. And in the beginning, in the beginning, I used to dream like that. I used to expect like that. I had, ex- I had expectations like that, that within 10 years there will be someone who will surpass me. So, so following here in verse 17, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul is saying, open your eyes and see how people are living like this, emptying oneself. within the church. So, 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 church members themselves realize that what Paul, ha- Paul is proclaiming is not just a mere theory. And as we understand, when Paul says, and when we say, go into the glorification, Uh, be sanctified. It is painful to to proclaim those kind of messages because we do not see models. So that's why the reason why Paul's proclamation was powerful is because all the church members are seeing seeing the evidences of his proclamation in the churches. But now the season has begun. has begun and these amazing models are are rising up in the churches and now I have confidence because there there are church members who are rising up and the disciples are rising up like this So, so now, now we are not sending, sending the uh, church members individually to the, to the overseas conferences, but we are sending them into groups of cell groups. So this, this early church's anointing is being uh, flowing in, into our church. And please expect for this. Please receive this anointing and let this anointing flow in your churches too. And you will see these great changes in your church. Verse 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears. So look. And, and even in, in, in Philippian churches, there were people who did not change. And Paul did not neglect them because church is in the relationship of life. So Paul would never look away from those people who are becoming holes in the church. And of course, it, it was not many who opposed Paul in the church. 
But even though they were small in numbers, Paul did not neglect them and Paul kept on having spiritual warfare to change them. But how did Paul call them? They say they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul said that uh, there is nothing else for him to boast about but, but the cross. So cross was everything to Paul. But, but this, these people were in the status of opposing completely the cross. Through cross, you need to confirm and assure your identity and all the decisions of God, making you to be holy and blameless. And in spiritual aspect, we have died on, on the cross with Jesus Christ, but these people are rejecting that completely. So, so, So this is becoming religious, becoming legalistic. So enemies of cross. So what's their destiny? Verse 19, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their instinct is from their flesh. And their glory is in their shame. Right? Our glory should be the fame and honor from God, but they are becoming shameful. And this is inevitable because you need to always seek from what is coming from above that appears in Colossians. So what we need to seek is what's coming from above. Just as these worms should eat the leaves, we need to seek for what's coming from above. But because these people are keep seeking what's from the earth, that their glory becomes shame. So Paul can never let them stay behind, let them um, just stay away from him. Just like verse 10, keep emptying himself. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. And these are the people who stop this process. Keep emptying himself. So as I said, every morning, I said that I always meditate on salvation. Keep making sure that the word is circulating in me and running in me. You always have to make sure this is running in you. This should not stop. But these people are keep thinking about these earthly things. Verse 20. <clears throat> so look, ultimately, church is an amazing place, tremendous being. And church should live with this, this amazing identity. But the reason why it is being unable to do that because community has been strengthened in these fleshly tendencies. And if these fleshly tendencies is, are, are being strengthened, what, what the church seeks is Babylonian things, these earthly things. And, and when this Babylonian flow is becoming stronger, their ultimate goal will become living well and living nicely on this earth. But if church seeks Babylonian things, church cannot become church. Church will just become an organization. The, there is no difference between these beneficial organizations on this earth and between the churches. So, so the core of the church is not, not being lazy on emptying oneself. So the more you die on your fleshly desires, 
is the evidence that your church is going toward the goal. As long as God is alive in the church, the church would never satisfy at a certain status. Without uh, ceasing, without ceasing, God will keep keep leading His church toward that goal. So whether whether the fasting is required, you fast or or in so in a big picture, all those things are giving up on your or fleshly methods of life. And just like just as I said, those who are ministering well. Are, are the ones who are taking away the time and the money from the church members toward the church. So the principle of pastor ministering is taking away their fleshly desires from them. If the money is taking, uh, if the money is making them fleshly-like, then you need to take away their money. If the work is taking uh, away the glory from them, you need to making you need to make them unemployed. So if your if your fleshly desires and tendencies are strengthened, then you need to you need to um, take take them away. And there's this young young adult from our church called Unhe. I call them. Her, I call her to to quit her job, even though she was making a lot of money. So, killing these church members' uh, fleshly tendencies is is a process of uh, drawing them to God's goal, drawing them to God's glory. So, the method and the ways might be different from time to time, but the importance is to 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 removing and killing all these earthly desires and earthly goals. And then you will be able to be assured that oh, our church is is becoming normal, becoming well. But as as you begin to be satisfied at your status, uh, you will begin to die from there. But endlessly, without without ceasing, we should continue to pursue the goal. And we need to know that's how the Holy Spirit is leading our church. So we we don't need the pastor's will in the church. Only thing that we need is to be sensitive toward toward the Holy Spirit's will, the the Lord's will. So not through your own will, not through your own method, but it is the pastors who are keep unraveling the will of God in the church. So God is keep leading us to kill our earthly and fleshly desires. God will never look away from us and God will never neglect us. And these days, because God is keep uh, making us to die on our fleshly desires, I will declare that at least once a week, at least once a week, we will <laughs> we will make our church members to turn their phones off. So at least once a once a week, I will make my church members to turn off their cell phones. And of course, of course, those who work, um, they need to use that. So in my head, this is something that Holy Spirit keeps inspires. How can we die to our fleshly desires more? 
How can I make them give up on your relying on their flesh? So, to Yoongi's younger brother, I told him to bring this special dish. And he brought me this special dish worth his monthly wage. So, do you think that I, I took that money? No. I lifted that, that money up as an offering directly to, him, to the Lord. So, just like that, keep dying to or keep killing those fleshly desires is what the pastor should do. So, what was the job of the priest in the Old Testament? Keep killing those, those um, sacrificial animals. So, in the beginning of my pastor ministry, Holy Spirit told me a lot like this. He made me to require a tremendous amount of money as offerings from the church members. In the beginning stage of my pastor ministry, Holy Spirit required me to do so because, because that's a process of taking away the fleshly desires from the church members. But strangely and miraculously, when I proclaim and when I require the church members to do so, somehow, um, somehow these church members brought me the money. And there was this one church member that I required her to offer money, but all of a sudden, um, her husband, and he was a non-believer, he, he was a non-believer who, who was all of a sudden able to buy this one billion won, 10 billion won, with, with 1 billion won. So with 10% of the price. So, okay, verse 20, this is an important story. This is not my, my philosophy of my pastor ministry, no. The will of the Holy Spirit toward the church is to keep removing the fleshly desires. And if the pastors do not know this will, and if they are trying to raise these this, um, fleshly standards in the church, then that's what that kills them. So if the church member is dying in their work, you need to make them quit their job. And within a year, many church members are living unemployed, and I make them to live like that because, because it is impossible for them to uh, stand right spiritually in their work. So what if the person dies, dies completely spiritually in their work? So that's why I make them quit their jobs. So at least more than 10, 10 people in a year, I make them quit their jobs. Of course, it is better if they grow more and more while working. Then I would have no reason for making them to quit their jobs. But because they are dying, I make them quit their jobs. Whether they are successful in their job or not, it doesn't matter. And there was this one sister who was successful in, in her work, but I made her quit her job. Because this was a strong will of the Holy Spirit. Because, because when your flesh is trying to meet the standards of Babylon, it's a complete opposite from the will of the Holy Spirit. 
because it's the complete opposite thing from the kingdom of God, you cannot neglect that, staying in the church. So in our church, the church members have this tendency to keep opening their channels to Babylon. So, so what else can you do? Just keep killing their fleshly desires in the church. Verse 20, But our citizenship is in heaven. So what is our identity? Our source is all from heaven. So thinking that, thinking that having more money will make our faith life prosperous, I mean, that's how it should be, but no. So in, normally you should make the church members poor. Of course, many rich people came to our church, but as they, as they, stay, as they <laughs> stayed in our church more than 20 years, they become poor. One of the reasons is because They gave a lot before God, and I plundered a lot from them. So if you stay, if you stay long in our church, because you give them up for the Lord, and because God is taking them away from you. So normal, normal church members would become poor because they give them, give all of them to God, and I cannot stand them just accumulating their prosperity. Why? Because gospel belongs to, and kingdom of God belongs to the humble ones. So this pic picture should not be, be wealthy. So if, so us pastors, pastors, you need to take away those materials from them if they become wealthy. That's why I um, drove out this one church member from our church because, because I required that person to give away his inheritance, which was worth 10 billion won. And that was not my intention, but this was will of the Holy Spirit to make our church members to empty themselves. And, and our church business ends. They are becoming successful and successful, but I, I never allow them to accumulate their wealth. I always require them to give and give and offer. And because God is requiring this to the pastors, look how much God would pour His spiritual authority to these pastors who are obeying to God's will. Why? Because we do not have any rules or, or regulation in the churches that if you do not offer a certain amount of money, then you will, you will be imprisoned. No. So that's why God will give you the spiritual authority so that the church members should, would obey to you. But do not be, be afraid in those kind of areas. You should be able to um, swing your sword without fear. That's charisma. And you shouldn't be charismatic in, in meaningless areas, like being charismatic to your wife. I mean, your wife will get hurt. Okay? 
So, your citizenship is in heaven. And what's the reason why Paul is making this um, analogy? Because at that time, becoming a Roman citizen was, was one of the most powerful things. So, so, that's why Paul is saying we are the people who are living as heavenly citizens. Even though we are in the center of Babylon, we do not live like Babylonian citizens. Just like Daniel, who used to live in the core parts of Babylon, he did not live as a Babylonian. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. There is the heaven. And a Savior, which is Lord Jesus Christ. So, who, who are awaiting? Who are awaiting for whom? So, it's me waiting for Him. Right? But the Greek, Greek sentence, in the Greek sentence, it also has a meaning that the Lord is also waiting for us. So the term, the verb, await, this is a transformed um, form of, of a verb, maranatha, which is keep being drawn near and keep accepting and keep receiving. of His coming. So though I'm waiting for Him, He's also waiting for me too. So this is spiritual parousia, this is spiritual kingdom, that He's keep coming near, keep remaining in this status, meeting Him. So within this process of emptying Himself, this is what the Holy Spirit is pouring in you. So verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, and to whom God entrusted his authority to control all creation, to Jesus Christ who died on the cross. So he became our, our head and we became his body. So, So he will work through his glory in every ways, but especially Paul used resurrection to describe this. Just like the the power of resurrection, he said in in chapter three, verse um, verse ten. So Paul is describing the glory here too. will transform our lowly bodies, the lowly bodies that we have right now, so that they will be like His glorious body. So, His glorious body, what does this mean? It means that our body will be transformed according to the amount of glory that our body has. So, So as Paul said in Galatians, Paul was looking for for the greatest glorious um, transformed body. So just like him, we need to be able to, we need to look forward for, we need to expect for the greatest, the, the most glorious body. But what is this dark resurrection? This is leaving behind the records of the sin within your, um, within your, within your conscious. So, 
then if you if you leave them leave them on your body then you will be resurrected with, with the record of sin so that's why we need to keep cleansing ourselves on this earth and if we have that list of sin on our consciousness then the enemy can use that list of sin in order to accuse you that's why we continue to commit the same sin over and over again so we need to continuously wash that list of sin through the precious blood and when I look at some people there are people who continuously commit the sin and the way of that sin continuously becoming heavier and heavier to that person but there are some people even though they are keep committing the same sin the way of their sin does not become heavy for that person because because that person erased that sin through the precious blood and, and the next sin that he commits again will become the new sin for him so that's why I say that I never use the term I committed a sin again so let's say I commit a sin today and then I wash that sin with the blood and then let's say I, I commit that same sin tomorrow once again but even though I committed a sin again I never use the term that I committed a sin again because that sin is a new sin for me I'm not telling you to become shameless but, but this is the principle of grace so, so being accused by the list of sin is the evidence that you are being unable to believe in the blood of, uh, in the power of the blood Jesus has erased all the list of sin with his power of the blood and he allowed that blood to indwell in us but do you think that that blood is powerless that he that cannot erase the sin? No. So you need to make sure in what kind of status your spirit is. Is the sin becoming heavier and heavier over and over again because you fail to remove those sins through the blood? Or is it is it always light and is this keeping is this sin keeping deleted from you? So the heavier the sin is to you, the, the more difficult it is for you to repent. So you have to continue to fight. Because if you are living long enough to... Uh, if, you are live, if you live long with that list of sin, you are keeping bound. So for those people, you need time to unbind yourself. But you don't, you don't need to live foolish like that. So all you have to do is to believe in that blood and just to, to repent immediately. So ultimately what kills us is spiritual laziness. Being unable to believe in His promise. But because of spiritual laziness, you are being unable to do so. That's why it is difficult to receive His righteousness. So receiving God's righteousness, you may seem that as a shameless thing, but it's not something that is shameless. But it's about how much you believe in Him. That, that He has sprinkled His blood in me and how much, how great of a role does it play within me in order to purify me. So do not leave those lists of sin in you. Do not neglect them. Keep erasing them. 
Keep staying in this good conscious, which is not living through, through this conscious, but instead keep living through the voice of the Holy Spirit, living through the flow of the Holy Spirit. But if you build your own conscious, the flow will stop. So those people, it is difficult for them to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So inevitably, they are keep accepting the information of the sin, keep accepting the information of immorality, information of the world. So it's an evil circulation. So you need to know that the conscience is keep expanding the amount of information in you. So there is no other way but to keep erasing the list of sin through the blood and keep yearning the Holy Spirit. Then this will build a good circulation in you and it will make them easy to be light. And as I said yesterday, as I said yesterday, through this evil circulation, you are keep carrying, you keep adding the burdens on your shoulder. So, so you need to cut the chain of, of bad circulation and then you need to keep entering into this good circulation. And if you are living through the fullness of God, your three functions of the spirit, intelligence, will, and the emotion, they will, they will kill all the functions of the legalism in you, and they will make your mindset like the sanctuary, like the, having the table of the bread and the lamb stamp, and it will also restore the function of the sanctuary and the temple in you. And as this temple is being restored, um, your, your prayer will be lifted up before the throne of God. Okay, let's continue. Uh, so that they will be like His glorious body. So this, this um, form and the body is the same, same Greek word from... Uh, this form okay it's the same form that appeared yesterday but anyways but whatever that is it means that we will have the physical body this is we are not going to be something spiritual but we will have some kind of a special um, physical body that will look different from what we have right now I don't know how will that look but, but, the, but one sure thing is that uh, living on this on this earth it means that you are having a physical body that that's that is suitable for this physical life right the body that we have is a body that can live through this control of this earth but but the body that we will receive later is the body that cannot live by by the fleshly things moreover this is the body that can surpass everything that is fleshly so we can imagine about it and for example we can be stronger than a bear in the millennial kingdom or 
Or let's say on this earth you need to have at least uh, a meal, uh, at least three meals a day. Of course you can fast, but but when you have this transformed body, you may eat, but you may not eat. And and right now you need to digest, and then you need to um, let it go somehow <laughs> through through bathroom. But but this transformed body will digest all the nutrients completely so that you don't have to let go of anything. So for example, these lice um, or these bugs, there is this bug that can jump the height um, 60 times more than its height. And when we wear this transformed body, maybe we can be like that too. So look at Jesus Christ. He was able to pass through this wall and he went into this room. And just like that, our transformed body will surpass all the limitations of the third dimensional world. Well, at least I am expecting our body to be transformed in the Millennial Kingdom. And our body will be the body that suits this Millennial Kingdom, the life of the Millennial Kingdom. And because we will be the kings of the Millennial Kingdom, so... And I'm thinking that our body will also be transformed again when we enter into the new heaven and new earth. But, but I don't know whether Paul has seen it through his visions or whether he has been there. But, but that's why Paul was able to say in 2 Corinthians that he is desiring to, to participate in that glory without dying. So you also need to dream about that, to look for about that. You should not be resurrected in, in this, this dark resurrection. So those people who were resurrected in this dark resurrection will, will not be in this millennial kingdom. Because they have to stay, stand before the judgment of the Christ, so they will be trained somewhere else. Okay? So, chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. So, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. So, this is all in one flow. Within this process of emptying oneself, Paul is saying that you have to go through this process. So, from chapter 4, Paul is saying, How should we live then? My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. My joy and crown. At least we should have this kind of relationship within your church. And in my church members, there are some church members that I, I can pray like this, but there are some who I cannot pray like this too. But as soon as possible, we need to build this relationship with all the church members that we can pray like this for them. <laughs> for, for some of my church members, I consider them as my crowns, but for some of them, I consider them as my loss. Okay, the first, um, first commandment and the order that Paul is giving to them is to stand firm in the Lord. 
Jesus maintaining the status to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is Paul saying here is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So in the early churches, because they considered the relationship between the, the triumph God, That's why these apostles used in the Lord, in Christ. Not only within the relationship between the Holy Spirit, but because they understood this uh, integrational relationship between the Triumph God, they used this term in the Lord, in the Christ. This is describing the overall relationship with the triumph. So, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is, of course, uh, remaining in the relationship between the triumph God, but, but the early churches, because they did not lose the uniquity of the characteristics of triumph God, that's why they, they practiced these uh, specific propositions. That's why these apostles use these terms like in the Lord, with the Christ. So, so the nuance is different from just using the term be filled with the Spirit. And, you, and that's why I, I say, uh, to, to precisely speaking, you cannot necessarily say that um, being, filled with, being filled with the Spirit is being filled with the Christ. No, it's a little different. The uniquity is different. So when you're remaining in the Christ, the major attributes that flows in you will be the mercy, the um, compassion, the passion. Uh, anyways, so anyways, we need to stay in His presence. Second, second, I plead with Yodia and plead with Sentike. Uh, so they were the, the female leaders, female leaders in this church, in Philippian church. And of course, because Philippian church was planted by, established by these um, Lydia who used to sell these, these um, scarlet um, garments. But what did he, what did Paul continuously uh, emphasize to them? To stay in one purpose, one mind, one spirit. But because they had a conflict with these female leaders, they were unable to build this one purpose and one mind. So Paul was keep emphasizing them, you need to stay in one mind, one heart, one purpose. So unless the church is remaining in this one heart and one mind under one, one head, which is Christ, church cannot form one body and, and people will begin to build different, um, build different um, parts, different groups. Within, within themselves. So if you begin to build your own groups in, in the church, you cannot form one body. So when, when a pastor preaches uh, the will of God, church should not make their own voices. They should not raise their own voices. They should not make commentaries about, about the will of God. If you are keep making your own commentaries, it means that you are living through your own ways and own methods and your own thoughts. And you will see um, how much God will make your church glorious if you are not living by your own thoughts. So whenever I say something in my church, there's nobody who is comment, uh, commentating about that. Not because my, my words are fearful, but because that's how God made my church. For example, 
If I raise this person as a cell leader, they will all unite as one to obey to that order. So it's like efficient church. That's how Holy Spirit is building His church. This is not about the charis- charismatic um, attributes of a pastor, no. In the church, He is our head, and as a body, as a body, and as a pastor, is keep being obedient to His will. Then God will, at a certain period of time, God will build a church like that. God will never allow the, the people who are opposing the church to stay in the church. So, so <laughs> Paul is keep telling them not to have two different hearts. Have the same mind. Have, have, have the same heart. Verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help this woman since they have contended my, at my side in the cause of gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of my life. So she's referring to those, those female leaders. So God, uh, Paul is telling them to, to be, be their companion as well. So the, the next commandment is to help them. So this is the, the core of the church. If your right arm is working uh, and lifting up something heavy, it is natural for your left arm to come, out, come alongside and, and help your right hand too. So this is the principle of the church. If something happens in the church, the reason why church can help one another is because you are one body. When your right hand is having difficulty lifting something up, your left arm will not say, hey, have fun with that, that thing. No, your left hand will automatically come and help your right hand. In the church, it's the same. When something is happening and when I command the church members to offer money, then they will not neglect them. Church members will... Um, offer their life, offer and dedicate their life and dedicate their materials. So do not just think that it requires a lot of number of the people in the church. No. When they all, when they, when they all work as one body, tremendous thing will happen. So what does it mean that their, their names are in the book of life? The ones whose list of sin has been deleted are recorded in the list of, uh, in the book of life. So the book of life is a book that recorded all the rewards of their, their work and their dedications. Verse 4. So when you go before the Lord, before His throne, what kind of book is open before you? The book of life. There won't be someone who, whom both, book, both books are open before you, um, the book of sin and book of life. No. Okay, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So it's all commandment. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. So the essence of the church is to rejoice. So you should not neglect those people in the church who are making this gloomy, sad face. Because fundamentally, those who do not know know the joy of the Lord will always make their face stiff and hardened. 
And there are people whose characteristics are, are gloomy. So you need to revolutionize them. And the people that the enemies like the most are the people who meditate on their worries and concerns the most. <laughs> But the people who do not react to the enemies, even, though they, even if they uh, poke them, then the enemies will get sick of them and they will just leave. So you need to be able to rejoice always. All right? It's the same story over and over again. So that, that was the fourth commandment. And let's look at verse 5. Why? How, why is Paul uh, able to um, order them and command them? Because he described all the reasons why they can uh, do like that. Because they, they need to empty themselves. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The term gentleness, this is something that is uh, being revealed to the people who are selfless, who are keep continuing to empty themselves. So a Christian should not live by themselves, but God will let you know that Christians are the ones who should live for one another. Pastors do not exist for themselves, for church members, for kingdom of God. Whatever they do, the life of the pastor should be the life that is giving to, to others. So the tolerance, the gentleness is an important value or a virtue to the pastors. Colossians 3.15 says the same thing. Accept one another. It's the same nuance. Of course, the Greek word is a little different, but anyways, they are the same meaning. So continuously, your center should be, be centered on God. Just as Paul said, you should be in someone else's shoes. And this is the virtue that is being revealed to those people. They can accept uh, everything easily. Being able to accept and embrace the others and digest within you and to be able to give the influence of the holiness to the others. And so when Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all, it means that remain in the status that you can embrace other status and to be able to give, give something to others. But why is this necessary? Because the Lord is near. Not just saying that this end time is near, but this is another um, transformed term of Maranatha. And, and it's because He is keep drawing near to us and we are keep rejoicing in His joy. That's why we can be gentle to one another. So when you are living in the Holy Spirit, it is easy for you to be gentle to one another. Verse 6, this is continuous orders. Paul is not telling them to force yourself to do like that, but he's saying that if you continue to empty yourself, you will be able to live like that. So, so do not be anxious about anything. 
and um, request to God. And in every situation, by prayer petition, request to God. So this is all about the prayer. So first, in order to pray, you should not be anxious about anything. If you worry and be anxious, it means that you are having two different hearts. So you need to know how crucial, how critical damage the worry would bring to you. So if you are worrying, it means that you are taking place of God. So if you're living by God, your anxiety will disappear. But if you're living by your own thoughts, you need to know that this is, um, this is amassing and this is expanding your worries. But the man of God will see the evidence that you are not thinking at all. You are not having your own thoughts. But if you are keep running your own thoughts, you need to know that you are living Uh, through your concerns and worries. What to wear, where to go, what to eat. And if you keep living through your thoughts like that, then, then, then you cannot live by God. So, this is a serious disease, serious disease of unbelief. But when this anxiety is being removed from you, your face will be brighter. But if you have many concerns, your face will become dark. because you will have a lot of stress on you and that stress will <laughs> influence your blood circulation so so you should always be joyful so you should be able to request to God without anxiety then first God will receive the prayer because that's a prayer of faith and not not being anxious means that not only you're not being anxious but also you're having faith you're relying completely on God so in every situation by prayer and petition Um, present your request to God. So, prayer and petition means that you are being desperate before God. So, the characteristic of a faithful prayer is that you are being, being desperate before God. So, if you are desperate in your prayer, God will respond to you personally, directly. But if, you are, if your prayer becomes legalistic, um, you lose your desperation. So, you would say, Oh Lord, I have 101. Please lend me 201 so I can fill this money. No. You need to always acknowledge and admit that you have nothing. You cannot do anything. So, so your prayer not being desperate is a, a serious evidence that your prayer is becoming legalistic. So, if your tongue prayer is not being desperate, that tongue prayer cannot be interpreted. So, um, request your prayers with thanksgiving. Why? Because, because as soon as you pray to the Lord, Because you do not worry and because you pray with faith, you already know that, that God has already responded to your prayer. Just like Hannah, after, after she met this priest, she already had, had joy and happiness on her face because she already had a confirmation that God has answered to her prayer. So through your joy and your happiness, you will know that, Oh, Lord has accepted my prayer. So Paul is encouraging them to pray like this. So prayer is God's depth itself and God's level itself. So prayer is everything of the spirituality. 
So your prayer is equal to your your spiritual level. So if you're praying well, uh, you can say that your your faith life has no problem. So how many more do we have left? Or how many have I said? Um, have same heart. Um, help one another, stand in faith, rejoice, let your gentleness be known. They are all commandments. Verse 7, then, what kind of result are we going to see? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. So then, if you pray like that, God, God will guard your heart. Do not be anxious, and if you, if you request to God, then what kind of functions will rise up in your spirit? The peace of God which transcends all understanding. So understanding here is the news that you are well aware of. What is news? Among your functions of your spirit, news is a channel that can that allows you to see God's light, God's will. So if your news is corrupted, you cannot see God. So, so what happens when, when you transcend all things the peace will claim you whatever you do whatever you see whatever you say your sp- uh, the peace will transcend everything and it will protect and guard your heart So these functions of victory will flow into your functions of spirit. It will be filled with victory, peace. So that victory will guard your heart and your minds. So look, in this kind of prayer, those who are in this kind of prayer, they will never admit the the defeat. When you don't have money, you will not meditate on on the lack of money itself, but instead you will you will begin to think, oh, I expect how much God would repay me. So when you say you are guarding your heart and your mind, it does not simply mean that you are pleasing yourself with your emotions. No, it means that all your situations will go within the faith. So when you're hooked to darkness, it means that all your minds and hearts will flow into the darkness. So so as long as you are believing in this victory, then all the situations will flow into the victory. You should have been accumulating this kind of life in you. That you will no longer think of the defeat. Because God's shalom will transcend all the understanding. Amen. This should happen to you. This is how it should be. How much within the day am I confirming this victory in my life? Or how much am I confirming my defeat? Then these kind of people will be filled with anxious um, anxiety and, and worries and concerns. These are the people who are living through your old self. Then the darkness will come over your surface of your face. Now, um, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
So look, this anointing is being poured over you. All my mindset that used to move according to the enemies will be replaced, replaced by the victory, by the peace. Let the anointing of Shalom be poured over you. Amen. Verse 8. Finally, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, so, so every, every um, statement here is related to think about. So, so if peace guards your heart and minds, what kind of mindset would, you, would we be? We will always meditate on whatever is true. We will we'll meditate on the truth. How much the truth is running in my in my day? Whatever is is pure. Right? Turning your left left cheek when you're beat on your right cheek. Looking looking after your uh, the widows and the orphans. So keep being able to sense the Lord, sense God, being pure, thinking about what is holy. So we need to examine whether our thoughts are in, in uh, the purity or whatever is lovely, uh, whatever is right. right. Uh, okay, whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure, becoming pure. So because you have a pure thoughts, you will be able to reject whatever that is um, impure. And sometimes, sometimes there are things that is difficult for you to distinguish whether it's a it's out of God's goodness or your own own good standards. But you should be able to um, have the status where you can even distinguish this kind of things too. So as I always said. Um, this self-disguised humility must also be separated from you. Whatever is being motivated from the flesh, they are all filthy, they are all impure. Because Sarks has the um, instinct of the sin, it is never pure. But, but as you look at Paul, when he went on evangelism, to Asia, God, God stopped him because it came out of his own goodness. So that's why, that's why God showed Paul in Book of Acts. First time, he made Holy Spirit to talk to him. Second time, he showed him a vision. And thirdly, the Lord told him himself. So that's why he turned himself um, away from Asia and he went to Macedonia. So it is difficult for you to distinguish whether it came from your own goodness. In order to distinguish that, you need to um, see the basic desires of yourself. And if you begin to sense your desires, then, then you will know, oh, this came from my own motivation. This came from my own goodness. 
And Paul saw that it was his desire of achievement that made him to move to Asia. So, so if this desire of achievement moves in you and if it keeps growing, then it will build um, religion in you. So those of you whose achieve, uh, desire of uh, achievement is strong, um, um, your tendency to, to accept religion is great. And those of you whose desire of possession is strong will have strong desire of, of control and pleasure. And those of you who have strong desire of security will usually have strong tendency of the world. If my pastor ministry is not being moved by the authority that has been given from the head, then the pastor will naturally use and practice his desire of control. Then the people and the pastors who are using his desire of control will be stressed out because, because, because circumstances will come that they cannot control. Then what comes after him? The desires of pleasure because they need to solve these desire of control that they, they, they need to um, solve that. They will be soaked into sports. I mean, I don't have to explain more, right? So you need to make sure whether I am trying to move the church through my desire of control, not through the leadership. So you need to be cautious. That's why the immorality comes to the pastors. Look at this heretic leader, Chong Myung Sok. Just like that. That all came from his desires of control. That's where the greed of the pastors come from. Our pastors. We need to all stay in the relationship of God's leadership. Then you will never get stressed out. Why would you be stressed out? Okay. What else does he say? Whatever is lovely. When I love God and when I receive God's love, then you will be soaked into that loving relationship. And whatever is admirable. Not, not admiration of the people, but admiration of, of God, recognition of God. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. In Greek philosophy, they use this term um, staying in the middle, something like that, but not being um, tilted to, to a certain direction. So this is making sure where your direction is lying. On the way to this church, I saw this. <laughs> Never mind, he's making a joke of a name of a restaurant called Sundok, which is talk is is a virtue that is praiseworthy. But anyways, so whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, that then you get applaud. 
God is keep applauding you. And God is keep making these angels to applaud you. So your thoughts should be soaked into these kind of things. You should not be impure. You should not be worldly. You know, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Your thoughts should be filled with these things. Then, if your mindset is being changed like that, then the life will flow through you. So our victory of our spirituality is within our mind. In Romans, what does it say? Our, our thoughts of our flesh is, is our enemy. So our mindset should always stay in the anointing and whenever we are being soaked with His anointing, then we will become fearful beings. We will never go against the Holy Spirit. Lastly, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Put it into practice. So, yes, it is true. So, the mindset will always bring practice uh, alongside with it. So, the people will always move what it, what it thinks. When, when a person meditates on the money, it will always act to earn that money. So, it is never being separated. And the God of peace will be with you. So, you will always remain in the presence. Amen. Let's pray.